Hello and welcome to the Christchurch Podcast. My name is Grant Caldwell and this Lenten and Easter season, I'll be joined each week by other pastors on staff as we reflect on New Life Rising, a new devotional by Christianity Today that we'll be reading together churchwide. In this podcast, we'll do as the book's introduction invites us to do, journey through the somber season of Lent, into the dark depths of Good Friday, and out into the marvelous light to Easter and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. We'll be led through the landscape of Jesus' homeland and the journey he walks through times of confusion, despair, and hope, and into everlasting joy. As we have these weekly conversations together through the seasons of Lent and Easter, we'll wonder and discuss what we believe needs to die in order to lead to vibrant life in our unique context of vocation and community, embracing the gift of the gospel. On today's show, we'll be looking at the sixth chapter in Christianity Today's New Life Rising devotional entitled, My Last Supper with the Family of God. Joining me today is Christ Church's lead pastor, Paul Lawler. Paul, welcome. Uh, great to be here, Grant, and so glad to be with you. Glad to have you. For those that have been listening along, they know what question is coming. You are our lead pastor, our senior shepherd at Christ Church, and so we have to know. Marshmallow Peeps, are you a fan or not? This won't sound very pastoral, so I'm just asking for grace from hearers, but I think marshmallow peeps are one of the worst things ever inflicted on humanity. They're uh, awful. I don't think that's strong enough language, actually. <laughs> I think I, we need to read some woes. I, I even them. as a child, and I'm sure that there may even be children riding in the backseat of a car right now on the way to school that are going, I love peeps. But no, even as a child, I just remember putting those aside. And rightfully so, and I think you're showing your wisdom at a young age with that. <laughs> Nikki and I were talking following our recording of last week's episode, and she made the comment of, I just don't know why people would buy them. And I think we agreed. In a world with Reese's eggs and Reister bunnies and Starburst jelly beans and Cadbury eggs, who would settle you know, for that? Can I just appeal to the listener? Loved ones, there are good choices out there. And it, so let's make good choices. It's not too late. <laughs> this right. is It's not too late. That's so true. <laughs> Some peeps advertiser or executive is going to listen to this and be so frustrated. Absolutely. New board members will be appointed. Stock market will probably shift and we may be taking ourselves too seriously. And that's not a bad thing. Uh, this week's devotional was an extended uh, reflection on communion on the Last Supper. The author talks about her church over the last three years and she gives this two different fire metaphors. She says, sometimes it's been feeling like this burning wildfire as the congregation navigated political, racial, social tensions. I think we could add denominational in that as well, personally. But then other times felt like a smoldering wick trying to survive the shifting winds of time and culture. Pastor Paul, have you experienced those things as you've led over the last Mm -hmm. three years, both here at Christchurch Memphis and at Christchurch Birmingham? A great question. I think it would be better if I answered that more in a Christchurch Birmingham lens, because Obviously, in my eight and a half months here, we're not navigating the height of a pandemic or political polarization or racial tensions as we were in the hour of George Floyd and Ahmaud Arbery. And so I want to validate that. So I'll have to respond to that in a Christchurch Birmingham lens. Now, as I do, there's a couple of things I need to say up front. First, Christchurch Birmingham is not perfect. There's no perfect church. And I don't want to portray her in that way. But I do want to affirm that while there are or were persons that 
were active at Christ Church Birmingham that I think might have gotten caught up in the wildfire, to use the terminology that the author did, of political polarization and some of the racial tensions in that hour, as well as the pandemic. While there were persons that got caught up in some of that and did post some things that were unhealthy on social media, I have to say that the critical mass of Christ Church Birmingham kept their eyes on Jesus, stayed focused on discipleship and mission and in rhythms of prayer and kept the main thing. Just like Christchurch Memphis, there are highly educated people there who are deep thinkers, who have deep political passions, who are involved within political structures within the city as well as our nation that I would say they did, however, keep them the main thing Mm -hmm. and did not allow that hour to undercut their identity in Christ. And as I read this chapter, I would say that the author is characterizing a lot of what I would call the broad caricature that we saw on social media in that hour. And I would remind the listener that if you read the chapter, that social media is not the best place to get a pulse on the church. Mm-hmm. And it's kind of like if you go to a ball game and you make the statement, the crowd was cheering for the team. But if you take a deeper examination, you might notice that there are some people that maybe they're not cheering. And I will be a contrarian here. I think the church in North America is certainly not as healthy as she needs to be. But I think some of the broad brush characterizations that are often given in social media and some blog posts are not necessarily a reflection of what we also see in the media as well. And that's why I think it's important that we begin by defining things through a Christ-centered worldview and begin defining the church in ways that we're seeing emanate out of our own involvement rather than broad brush characterizations. And I don't have time will allow, but I'd love to say more about that. I agree. I think that's been my experience here as well at Christ Church Memphis and during these three years. You've seen studies that have come out that often what we hear on social media is the 10% of the far right and the 10% of the far left. And there's the 80% that's more in the middle just trying to find their way through all this. And I think at times that caricature can get formed of those 10% on either side. It does. And let's all be mindful that in social media world, there are a lot of people that their platform is controversy. Mm -hmm. And they recognize that unless they keep something stirred, then their constituencies are not maintained. And so that's not necessarily theological, but it is anthropological. It's something rooted in our fallenness in human Mm -hmm. nature. We at times are attracted to the negative. We're attracted to the sensational. We're attracted to the novelty. And in human nature, people pick up on that and Mm -hmm. they profit from that. Yeah. The other thing she discusses beyond that as she kind of weaves her story in is this prolonged reflection in the devotion about the story of Joseph. Mm -hmm. She talks about Joseph and how the ins and outs of his life can look like the ins and outs of church life. And then she connects Joseph's story to that of communion at the end. And she reflects, of course, we find it hard to get along. Communion is based on the reality that none of us have the strength to repair our mutually inflicted wounds. And would love to ask, how does the communion table point us towards unity in our congregation? That's a wonderful question. First of all, you're going to be Captain Obvious here. Communion points us to the gospel. It's the bread and the wine, the body and the blood. 
And so in light of that, the, the communion pointing us to the gospel, we're reminded in the words of the Apostle Paul in 2 Corinthians, this gospel is a gospel of reconciliation. This is a gospel that is declaring that the Son of God hung on a cross for your sin and my sin to reconcile us to God. And as we're reconciled to God, a ministry is birthed within us that reconciles us to one another. Mm -hmm. And so when we talk about the meaning of communion, which points us to the gospel of Jesus Christ, there is a magnanimous disconnect in the life of a believer when he or she would not labor for unity in the body because the gospel, which is represented through Holy Communion, compels us to do so from the inside out. So let me make one more comment. One of my favorite things to do, our family, we have a little cabin in the middle of nowhere, and it really is. It's in the Bankhead Forest in North Alabama. And a little 1,400 square foot place that where you go, you feel like you're camping a little bit. But one of my favorite things to do is to go outside on a clear night, because there's no city lights for miles, and lay on my back on the pier and just stare into the heavens. Missy teases me sometimes, because sometimes it'll be 10 o'clock at night, and maybe 35 degrees, and I just go out and I just stare. But where I'm going with this is that nights that are starlit, and you peer into the heavens, and you literally begin to go, wait a minute. The one true sovereign God of the universe created all of this, and he did it by speaking a word. Mm. And even if we can, for those of you that maybe you're Isaac Isomoff fans or you think in astrophysicist terminology, if we go back to the Big Bang and we're mindful that the scripture declares he spoke a word and it all came into being. Mm. Now, here's what I want you to think about for a moment, listener. If that God with that kind of power, billions of galaxies that contain billions of stars each, that God with that kind of power hung on a cross for your sin. That's what communion points to. Son of God, God became flesh, the Lamb of God, bearing our sin, pierced body, shed blood, so that we don't bear it any longer. Mm -hmm. And loved one, that's powerful beyond words. That's indescribable in its implications and its wonder and its majesty. But out of that wonder and majesty that's awakened in our hearts, how can we not also, as we've been reconciled to God, received His mercy, received His grace for our own sin in light of His beauty, grandeur, and holiness, how can we not also labor for reconciliation, forgiveness with those around us, labor for unity, for the glory of God? So that's my short version. I know we only have a few minutes on this podcast. But. <laughs> no, I'm just wanting to sit back and say, keep going. Now, it's, when we become overwhelmed by God's glory, the grandeur of the cross, mm. it's hard to be mad at our neighbor. When our focus is right, Miles mentioned 1 Corinthians a couple weeks ago, and it's just you see what Paul's doing in that letter of pointing that church with all of its problems and all of its disunity and all of its pride over, I follow Peter, I follow Apollos, back to the gospel and back to Christ Amen. again. and. Rightfully, he finishes that letter talking mm-hmm. about communion. Amen. Her entry was really powerful when we think about this idea of unity because it brings us back today when this podcast is coming out will be Maundy Thursday. Mm-hmm. As we think about just this reflection, Maundy Thursday, the Upper Room Discourse, and she ends this devotional with a line that 
it's the latter cast of characters that stays on my mind every Sunday, just l- thinking about the cast of characters around the cross. You're reminded when you're reading the Upper Room Discourse that Jesus is doing all of this with people that are going to betray him and fail and doubt and deny, and yet he's continually washing feet and setting yeah. the table and showing his love. And it's just this picture of when you've got that picture of self-sacrificing love, if you've got the glory of the gospel in front of you, who am I to look at my neighbor and say, they're the problem. It's really them over there. I think that's an excellent point. Not only should we make much of what you just said, but the fact that Jesus has this, I don't want to use the term cast of characters. That sounds a little too loose for me. I would say is that Jesus has around him this display of humanity Mm. and the display of brokenness in humanity. And if we all think about it, that should give us all hope. Mm, Because if there's grace for Peter, who denies Jesus three times, and we all know what goes down in these hours here on this Monday, Thursday, as this podcast is released, and what will take place tomorrow. And when we see humanity in the disciples and Jesus' followers, you can look at that as how could they? But then again, we have that same nature, and that should propel hope in mm. all of us. Because there's hope for them, there's hope for us. If there's hope for them, there's hope for me. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's hope for you. Yeah. Amen. It reminds me of the quote by Sunitsyn that talks about the line of good and evil passes through every human heart. Yes. That there isn't, those are the good people, and mm. or we're the good people, and they're the bad people. It's that we all have this going on within us, That's and right. all of us need the gospel. That's right. All of I us love Sunitsyn. Need that. That's a great quote. So, Paul, this podcast is coming out on Bondi Thursday, this day that we remember Jesus' final meal with the disciples in the upper room, a meal that Apostle Paul later instructs the church to observe in remembrance of him. Why is receiving communion essential in the life of the believer, but also in the life of the church? Wonderful question. First of all, Jesus commanded it. Mm-hmm. We can start there. And I would lovingly submit that any time... God commands something, there's blessing. Theologians call that deuteronomic theory. I, just so you, and the reason I'm not trying to impress you, listener, with theological terms, that's not the point. My point is that theologians noticed as early as the book of Deuteronomy that they're going, wait a minute, there's a pattern emerging in Scripture. Note that every time the people of God actually obey what He says, it brings blessing to their life. And so I would say that when Jesus commands us to be in rhythms of sharing in the Lord's Supper, Holy Communion, that there's a blessing involved. Now, I think most everybody knows that John Wesley characterized Holy Communion as a means of grace. Now, we talked about this recently on Sunday morning, but if you will, listener, think for a moment. Means of grace. Think about that phrase. In other words, communion and its regular observance and participation This is a means unto an end. It's a means unto experiencing the grace of God. And remember that the grace of God in Scripture is not only forgiveness of sins, but the very empowerment of God operating in your life. And so this is rather commonsensical, but once again, Holy Communion points to the gospel, what God has done in Christ, and that you have received mercy and grace and you're not being judged for your sins. Christ took that judgment at the cross when you place your faith in him and 
You are no longer a child of wrath. You're no longer under his judgment, Ephesians chapter 2, Romans chapter 5. And my point is those are scriptures you can look up that support what I just said. You're no longer under God's wrath. You're no longer under God's judgment when you put faith in the Lamb of God. Now, point is that communion highlights that reality as we gather in the name of Jesus. And as that reality is highlighted and we put our faith in the body and the blood, we experience God's mercy and God's grace. And that's, again, a means of grace, a means of God's empowerment. And the other thing is that communion points to our foundation and that the gospel is our foundation. It's so easy, even when you're walking with Christ, and this was a mistake the church at Galatia made, to suddenly get off and try to make something else your foundation, your performance, or going back into depending on the law to justify you. And I want to remind you that when Paul is teaching the church in the book of Ephesians how to be strong in your walk with Christ, and he's describing the armor of God, let's remember that he describes what we're our footwear as the gospel of peace, which illustrates our foundation. And so, believer, it's so important that we all are reminded of you know, this Ephesians 2, Romans 5 gospel that's articulated in the New Testament and of its power. When Jesus went public with his ministry in Luke 4 and he declared, the Spirit of God is upon me, he's anointed me to preach the gospel, this good news that it's not your performance that's going to make you right with God. It's the gift of this gospel, the gift of the Son. And he shares that this is so powerful, what's going down on Friday and what will go down on Sunday when he rises from the dead, that this will heal broken hearts. This power will set the captive free. This is revolutionary for the human heart and awakening the human spirit into what a man or woman is ultimately designed for. And that's to be restored into the image of God and restored into relationship with God. Loved ones, this is why we should take communion regularly because it functions as a means of grace in our lives, pointing to the gospel of Christ and experiencing this reality through the body and the blood. This is why John Wesley took communion every single day. This is why he exhorted the church to participate and share in Holy Communion regularly. So that's my short answer, Grant. Amen. Well, thank you so much for joining us on this podcast we appreciate it's an it honor. thank you and thank you so much for listening to our discussion on christianity today's new life rising next week we will be back with a new guest looking at the seventh chapter exiles all the way home we want to remind you that this is a lent and easter devotional so we have a few more entries that will carry us into the easter season of the church but we do as this comes out on monday thursday pray that you experience the lord richly and deeply on monday thursday Uh, Good Friday, Holy Saturday, and Easter Sunday as we celebrate that He is risen. We pray that you have a great time in fellowship with your local church, and we will see you back on this podcast next week.